Hey y'all, what's happening? Eric Garcia here. Thanks for listening in today. You are in for a real treat. We have on our show Daniel Sung, a friend of mine from Irvine, California. He is the one of the most inspirational, good-natured individuals that I have had the pleasure of getting to know. Stick around too. After our regular conversation with Xavier and I and Daniel, Xavier and Daniel hang out for a few more minutes and they talk about two things. Number one, uh, Daniel breaks down auto insurance and how he approaches it in his business. And then number two, they talk about his TikTok channel. We'll put the links in the show notes. We do talk about his TikTok in the regular episode, but he goes into a little bit more detail in that little bonus segment. We will put links to his TikTok channel in the show notes. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Xavier, I'd be rich if I had a dollar every time I heard someone say, man, I wish I knew 20 years ago what I know today about money. They need to be teaching about this stuff in school. Like the power of investing early. Compound interest. That alone would impact lives. Understanding and planning for taxes. Understanding the difference between both good debt and bad debt. Eric, what about all the stuff about money that business owners need to know? What kind of insurance should you be buying? The importance of contributing towards your retirement. They don't teach any of this stuff in school. Y'all sit back, get ready, because we are talking stuff about money they didn't teach you in school that you need to know. Welcome back to the Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School podcast. I am Eric Garcia, certified financial planner, and I'm joined by joined with my co-host, Xavier Angel, certified financial planner. Xavier, what is happening, man? Not much, man. Everything is good today, Eric. Um, look it's at you good. looking all spiffy today. I dressed up. You outdressed me today. I did. It normally never happens. Unless you've been coming you've been coming to the office in shorts and a t shirt the past right. couple of days. I'm calling I, you I, out. I, I have I have been coming in shorts and a t shirt, but um so we got a call from um church and church had asked us to to go out and do a wellness check on um on a parishioner um so we had gone out to do this wellness check and uh, she was dealing with some damage from uh, hurricane ida mm -hmm. and so um after working with her and having conversations with her we wound up over the last two days going to her house and helping her pack up uh, furniture and and move it um, so that's what I've been doing over the past two days. We've got one more trip, which we will probably make over there Saturday morning uh, to finish up moving some of the furniture. Um, yeah. So you know, for, for people who don't know this, when, when Xavier and I started working together um, about tw two years ago, one of, one of the things that we both felt really comfortable was from a value standpoint. This, this is a lesson for those of you who are listening, who are going into business with someone else. This is also good marriage advice here. And our, our guest, I'm sure, is going to have something to say about that. Uh, I'll introduce him here in a second. But make sure you have shared values. Whenever you're going to, whenever you're going to do something big with somebody else, man, having shared values is so so important. So, so what you're saying is, Jesus said it was okay for you to wear shorts the past couple of days, so I will give you a pass. But I dressed up today because I knew that there was a really good chance that our guest was just going to be like, I didn't want to be too outdressed by our guest today. So I, I mean, I am happy. <laughs> to introduce uh, my friend, Daniel Sung. Daniel, welcome to the show, man. Oh, you know, it is uh, really an honor uh, to be with you, Eric, and meeting Angel. I mean, I, I, you could not have asked for a better partner, my friend. What a, such a great person. 
I, I, thank you, man. I appreciate that. So, so uh, formal formal introductions. Daniel um, is owns a a, a a fantastically operation a, f- a fantastically operated insurance agency out in is it the San Diego area, right? Uh, it's Irvine, California. Irvine, so we're California. about an hour north of San Diego. I should know that. I should know that. Uh, <laughs> Irvine, California. So, funny story. Okay, I'm gonna leave with this story. Then I'm gonna kick it off to to Xavier here to to to, to kind of lead us lead us in conversation. So we met for the first time in Denver. It was in January 2022 of this year at the One World City Tour. So it's kind of a mastermind group of insurance agency owners. I have ownership in an agency. And it's just high-level presenters, high-level sharing. Uh, so we met for the first time there. And I told my daughter, my, my daughter's 15. I said, hey, I'm going to... Um, I'm hanging out with uh, TikTok famous Daniel Sung, <laughs> and she's like, "What?" I'm like, "Yeah, he's got a this is this is a friend of mine, and he's got a million followers on TikTok." And she kind of looks at me. She's like, "A million followers? That's pretty good." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, he's my friend." <laughs> so she's like, "Well, how'd you meet him?" I'm like, "How does anybody meet these days?" I met him online. <laughs> and, That's awesome. But here's what's interesting. Um. We met in person. I think we've, 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 you and I have maybe uh, just uh, less than an hour of actual FaceTime. And yet, um, I feel like we've been able to, through, through, uh, social media, through some of the groups we participate in, forge really deep relationships. Mm-hmm. And if there's one thing as a financial planner, we, we talk a lot about, um, money and net worth and money. But man, some of my most valuable assets, if I can call them assets, are relationships mm-hmm. that I've been able to build um, with people who pour into me, who I can watch, who are mentors that leave lives just just good examples that make me want to be better, and and that's why I'm excited to have you on. With that, Xavier, I know Xavier Xavier's real interested in having a conversation with you. I think there's some, some you know, I think he he. He listened to some other shows that you were on. There's some things that you said that just resonated. And I've got some questions here, but I'm going to let Xavier lead this this conversation. So Xavier, man, go for it. So Daniel, one of the things that we um, always start our conversation off is asking our guest, what is one thing about money that you wish you would have known 20 years ago? I'm going to hold off on that and I'm going to come back and ask you that later uh, in the show. Because I, I I really want to get to some of the meat and the potatoes. Um, as as I was listening to your story on some of your your previous podcasts, um, you know it, it it touched me because I'm sitting there thinking and and I'm listening. I'm like, wow, you know, your story is is where my mother was when when she was raising me, and listening to the sacrifices and the struggles that you guys went through in order to get to where you are today with having four girls and a boy was just mm-hmm. to, to, to me was just sat strong with me. So one of the things that I heard you, you, you talk about in your podcast is um, it's a model that you have. Um, if, if it's to be, then it's up to me. So let's start there. Um, share with the audience, where did that come from? How does it, you know, it, and, and where is it in your life today? How did it get you to where you are today? Yeah. And, you know, it's, it comes from, because growing up, I was, I was never the smartest kid in the room and I had a lot of insecurities. 
Um, I had a lot of damage in my life from a very young age. I grew up in Korea in 1979. And, you know, when you talk about the country, I mean, this is where we, we were living on a pig farm and, you know, we, we had an outhouse and my mom, the, the first real trauma was my mom left us when we were three years old. So it was my dad, my older sister, me, uh, we wake up one day and my dad says, you know, mom's not going to be here anymore. And as a three-year-old, you don't really understand what that means. Um, so at the age of five, he brought us over here. But And I don't think we we talk about this enough. And whenever I meet somebody new, especially guys, right? When, when we meet somebody new, we want to talk about all of our accolades, all of our achievements. And we have this going on. I own this company. And we size each other up pretty quickly because you want to right. know who you're speaking with. But the most thing that we have in common are our struggles, right? That mm -hmm. and so, so I, I grew up very insecure. I, I flunked first grade. Um, when I that and that next year that school started, all my friends were second graders now, but I was a first grader, so nobody wanted to play with me. So wow. during recess, lunch, that was probably the worst times of my life because. What do you do? You hang out with your friends, but I had no friends. So I would I would walk really fast to the basketball court, try to spend about five minutes there. And then I would walk really fast to the soccer field, try to find, spend about five minutes there. Because if you look like you're walking around and really fast, you look like you're busy. You have somewhere to go, right? And then when I couldn't do that forever, I would go to the bathroom. Uh, so I grew up very insecure. And felt very like I had I had um, a bad hand of, uh, hand of cards, but and all the struggles that we went to, I finally realized, I finally realized that if anything's going to change in my life, it was going to be because of me, because of that work that I put in, the actions that I took. Um, it wasn't about having an advantage, having a benefit. You know, I have a lot of friends who they grew up wealthy, their parents bought them a car, their parents helped them get through college, their parents helped them start a business. So when we got married at the age of 24 and 23, they were light years ahead of us. But no matter what happens, it's how you handle the situation. And that's kind of where that came up. If it's meant to be, if it's to be, it's up to me. And there's no excuses. And we're going to work with what we have. And I and, and I love that. Um, I, again, that's what that's one of the things that stood out to me the most, you know, but also with some of the other things I, I heard you mention. So early on, right, you get out of college and, and you wound up going um, into the mortgage industry. You spent time in the mortgage industry. You know, we had the that whole bubble burst. And at one point you guys were living on food stamps, if if I'm correct. And I'm assuming that that insecurity that you had early on life wound up coming back later down the line. You know, you, you talked about how you were ashamed to go into the grocery store with your wife um, when she, because she was purchasing food stamps. Tell me how and when did that insecurity really change and go to having discipline and, and having authority? And what was the cause of that? Yeah. So right after high school, I, I wasn't smart enough to go to college. So I enlisted in the United States Marine Corps. So I spent four years there, best times of my life. Uh, and then 
Uh, I got out of college and I started going to school and I got married during that time. So now that I'm married, you know, I was a man. So I was, I was, I should support my family. So I got a part-time job. First job ever in my life. I walk into a mortgage company within five minutes. I'm on the phone selling mortgages. And after a while, I, I started getting good at it. And I thought, okay, I, I, I can, I can get used to this. Uh, six months. Now we do everything by impulse. We got married by impulse. And we said six months of me being in the mortgage business, I said, we can, we can do this on our own. So we opened up shop. We had about 15 loan officers, about four processors. I mean, I mean, Angel, we were making money that I never even imagined. Now, not coming from money. And then all of a sudden, I remember with my own pen selling mortgages, not the business, but just my pen. My best month was 100,000, the next month 75, the next month 50. So in a quarter, personally, I made $225,000. Again, not coming from money, being 25, 26 years old, completely reckless. I bought a couple BMWs, a couple Mercedes, several homes. My my wife and I, we would go out and spend money like it was going to last forever. And then 07 hit. Now we weren't these big companies where we could sustain and and mm-hmm. self fund for a couple of years, so it hit us pretty hard. Uh, and then you know we went through bankruptcy. We lost our homes. I mean, I moved around so much. I never updated my driver's license with our new address. Um, and and for a period of time, you know, we were. I sold my car, but we went down to two hundred dollars in my pocket. That was it. That was all the money I ever had. It was just $200 and I had it with me. It wasn't in the bank. It was in my left pocket. Uh, and then my wife came home one day. And she she came home from the grocery store, Ralph's, out here. And she's putting the groceries away. She's in the kitchen. I'm helping her with the groceries. And she starts putting the groceries away. And she says, oh, I ran into so-and-so at, at the at, in, in line. And I said, please tell me they were in front of you. So they pay first and leave. And she said, no, no, they were behind me. And I, and I paused and I saw the groceries. So I know she purchased them. And I said, did she, did you pay with the, with the WIC checks out here with, with the food stamps? And she said, well, of course I did. What are you talking about? And I, and I told her, you paid with food stamps in front of that friend. And I got really upset. And for about a week, I didn't talk to her. And then after about a week, you know, she came to me. And she said, you know, why would I be upset about feeding our kids in a time of need? Why would I be upset about buying Cheerios for our kids? And she said, you know, I'm not upset. I'm not embarrassed of where we are today because it's not who we are. It's something that we're going through. And when she said that, it hit me like a box. I'm getting chills just thinking about it because I see myself there. I see myself in in the dining room, sitting with her. And and basically what she was saying was, I believe in you. I believe you're going to get us out of this. I believe this is temporary. And this is what we don't realize as men. I'm old school. I'm probably, we're probably all the same, right? When I asked my wife to marry me, it wasn't a temporary thing. My wife is a lot prettier than I am. She has a lot more going on than I did. I promise you she had options, just like all our wives do. But she chose me to give her everything she ever dreamt of, to provide for her and for our kids. So that I took that seriously. And so when she said that, it was an aha moment for me to say, 
I need to go back to that. I, I, need, I need to believe again. So I got excited. And that's the moment that changed everything for me. And that's really when I buckled down and I got laser focused on exactly what I needed to do. Uh, and, and there was also one more, one more thing, you know, my, my wife is, she, she's just a beautiful person inside and out. And that, that truly is the secret to what I believe my success, whatever it may be up to this point really has, mm-hmm. it's because of her. And she come Angel, she comes to me one time and she says, she walks in the door and we had at this point, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. We were hurting pretty bad. And, and she comes to me and she says, um, I, I sold my wedding ring. And my heart just dropped. I said, what do you mean you sold your wedding ring? She said, it's, I, I sold it. I went down to the pawn shop and sold it. And she said, but, but we got two more months. It gives us two more months. So just go out there. Just go out there and work. Right? So, you know, it's, um, I mean, without her, I mean, what there's, right. none of this would happen without her. So she's, she's that driving force behind you that that um the saying that they they have out there behind every great man is a great woman mm. rolling and, her and eyes but this goes back this goes back to this idea of of values right of, of having shared values with someone that you're doing something big with and and often Often compare marriage to business. I'm not minimizing marriage, uh, obviously, but but some similarities, right? You know, Xavier and I are in business together. It's important that we make decisions as a as a as a team. Otherwise, it would be a terrible business, right? There's days I'm doing good and he's doing poorly. There's and and there's days he's doing poorly and I'm, I'm we cut. There's a comp. There's a a complementary factory factor to it, and it sounds like that that um, that Christina gave you the cast the vision when you didn't have it she she was security when you 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 couldn't find it anywhere else um one of the best some of the best marriage advice i was given was when you're married you need to give 100 percent. you give 100 percent, she gives 100 percent. because one day both of you are just going to give 50 percent, and at least that way you're still meeting in the middle mm-hmm. so both of you need to be giving 100 yeah. percent every single day because there's going to be one day I'm going to give nothing and I'm going to need her 100% or her 75%. I'm going to need her to pull me up. And that sounds like, that sounds like, uh, uh, your wife gave you the security that gave you the, the, the foundation to go out and be successful and the vision, cast the vision of where you can be as opposed to where I am. Yeah. And I, and I really do believe every successful person, you know, it starts in the home. It really does as, as we all have kids. Uh, you know, growing up, you don't really see it, but when I go to my kid's school to pick them up, I I see you can look at a child and see what type of home they have, what type of family values that the parents are teaching, and uh, you know, success really does start from the home, and they don't teach that in school, just just like the same as finances, they don't teach it. I I wish I had a ten percent of the knowledge that I had about money today as a child because my parents were immigrants they came here they had a couple hundred dollars they sold they would buy a t-shirt for a dollar sell it for two never never really learned about money never never understood money um and so they couldn't teach us about it but so we had to learn everything on our own and but if they were 
if this was around, just imagine where we, we would all be. If our podcast was around? Exactly. That, exactly. Man, if podcasts money. were around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, so you've got four children, three girls and one boy, correct? Five. Five. Four girls, one boy. Four girls. So we know you've got a busy future coming up, and, and I think all four girls are still teenagers. Yeah, they so, are. You know, do, do you do the math about what you're um, assuming? We actually had uh, uh, um, the episode may actually drop before people listen to this one. On we had we did two back to back episodes with the um, um, owner of the wedding magazine here in New Orleans, and we talked mm. about the cost of weddings. Do you, do you ever do the mental math of like, oh my god, if we follow the traditional course, yeah, <laughs> you got four <laughs> weddings. Weddings aren't cheap, right? Right. Well, not only that, even even college. And and it's it's interesting enough. I'm talking to uh, you guys today because we have a um, a friend's child. They go to Tulane. Oh yeah. Okay. And the residents of California are going to Tulane, and that is not an that that's a that's a nice that's a pretty penny right there. Yeah. That. So yep. thinking about what they're paying for that. Um, that's but, where I graduated from. Is that right? Wonderful. Yeah. Ranked Wonderful. 16th right now, college football Tulane. <laughs> All right. So what are what are some of those values that you're that you're teaching the children? You know, they they've seen you guys go from one end of the spectrum to being successful and running a, a successful property and casualty company. What are you guys teaching them in 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 the home? You know, we talked about that home life earlier. We talked about the values. What are you guys working with them on to understand? Well, what what's really nice is from a very very young age, I started my kids um, a ledger. Uh, a ledger. And it wasn't, I didn't want to get too deep into it, but pro- when they were right around six or seven, um, I started an Excel spreadsheet for them. So we would have money in, money out. And every, and it was basically just a bank statement. So when they would, when they, when mommy, daddy, grandma, uncle, anybody would give them money, they would record it, but 50% goes into their piggy bank. And at the end of the month, we would see what comes in and what comes out. And then we would do it by quarter and then by do it by year. So every child, except for my eight-year-old right now, uh, every every child does that. And so what I'll do is I'll spot check them. Um, every once in a while, I'll spot check them. And I'll say, is your ledger up to date? They said, yes, daddy. I'll take a look at it. If it is up to date, they get another $10. If it's not, then they owe me $10. And what we started doing was we started giving them commissions from a very young age. And <laughs> I love it. you know we're, we're, we're big on chores, but we're really not. Uh, my wife has this thing, you know, when she grew up, her mom kind of did everything around the house. So we don't make chores such a big thing because I think once they get married and have their own kids, they're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But what we do is we give them commission and we said, you know what, you can spend this however you want to spend it after you save a portion of it. But what we started no- noticing was they started they started thinking about the value of a dollar. They would always ask to go to Target. And when it was mommy and daddy's money, they would just buy whatever they could, even if they didn't need it. Now we go to Target. I said, of course we can, bring your wallet. My my 12-year-old daughter, I see her picking something up and looking at it for a couple seconds and and really thinking, do I really need this? Do I really want to spend $11 on this? Because it's her own money. 
So from a very young age, we started practicing a lot of those financial um, uh, financial intelligence, yeah. and it's really helped along the way. So now uh, they get very excited when they have five hundred dollars in their bank account, but that's that's the that's the base base where they don't want to go mm-hmm. below that. So now they have a new goal to get to six hundred. So five hundred is their zero. Exactly. That's their Love new that. zero yeah. now. Yeah. And and what we did was uh, in California when you're when you turn fourteen, uh, I could put I could put them on our payroll. So they come in once a month or however, and and what we did was we set up a four hundred one k account for them as well. Mm-hmm. So just trying to set them up. Yeah, um, nice. I I told my wife if it once they become an adult, if they mess everything up, if they do everything wrong, at least we'll have this for them. How right. do you balance? This is a conversation that I have often with with clients who are successful, okay, who who have come from struggle, mm. and that struggle kind of was a teacher, right? They learned from struggle, and oftentimes, I think I think as I think sometimes we have to rethink our philosophy of struggle and not see struggle always as bad. Um, oftentimes, struggle we need struggle. That's the only way we can grow is is through struggle. So, how do you? As a successful business owner who understands the impact and the teacher that struggle can be, how do you avoid robbing your kids the opportunity to learn lessons that they can only learn through struggle? Mm, Great question. And I probably approach this in a different way than a lot of people do. I'm not a believer in that, you know, when I started driving, my uncle gave me his 1984 Nissan Sentra with roll-up windows and it broke down every five miles. So my kids are going to have the same experience. I'm just not a big believer in that because my path was my path. There's a lot of successful successful people, even agency owners that we know uh, where they it's generational. Mm-hmm. Right? They didn't start a scratch agency. You know, they 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 were able to go into the family business and grow it even more. So I don't I don't necessarily want them to struggle the same way that I did. And I think that's a benefit of having a generation go through that. I always tell my kids, one generation is gonna pay the price. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we're better or worse, but one generation has to pay the price. Mommy and daddy's parents tried, right? Grandma, grandpa, they tried their best but they just didn't get there. So does that mean mommy and daddy, when we get there, we're not going to support grandma and grandpa? No way, right? They tried. Now it's our turn. Um, so I, I think there's going to be a lot of growth that comes with not growing, going through financial struggles, but you know, we want to just support them every which way along the way. And, you know, we want to, and I think our kids are going to do a lot better than we are. I think it's a, it's everyone's obligation to do better than the parents. Um, and I don't know if this really answers your question, Eric, but you know, we, I, I think growth happens in a lot of different ways. Uh, I don't think it happens just by struggling. Um, but, but yeah, we, we, we approach it a little bit differently. Yeah, no, I would, the, I would, I would agree. I, I would yeah. do one, 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 one thing on that, Xavier, real quick. One thing I would say is that um, there's a lot of research that supports this kind of in the money space that we could teach our kids all day long about money, how how they should spend it, how they should save it. But at the end of the day, they're watching us. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, successful people, if, if you are asking the question, 
you talked about your wife talked about like, you know, this is where we are. That's not where we're going to be. There's vision. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same thing in parenting and in finance is you have to know where you want to be and start behaving in such a way that's consistent with that. So if we mm-hmm. want our kids to be um, good with money, then we have to stop and say, am I good mm-hmm. with money? You know, do I want my kid to walk into Costco and see that beautiful 80 inch TV that is just like, just, oh my gosh, like I would love to watch the saints on that TV. I've got the money. I'm going to go buy it. Do, do we want our kids to have those same impulses? No, we don't. So we need to to model the behavior that we want our kids. And and, and you and Christine are just doing, just kind of watching y'all um, from a distance and, and knowing you, you're modeling behavior and their kids are going to have to make decisions. And oftentimes I see the problem is, and you said something in one of your TikToks that it hit me. It was about screen time. That's a big thing. Oh, screen time. Your kids can have a lot of screen time. I think you said something about like, we really don't manage screen time. Kids are going to be on screens. They're going to have to learn to deal with it. And um, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. If we're modeling the behavior that we want them to model, they're going to have to figure it out mm-hmm. on their own. And that's where the challenge is. And they'll come back around because if you force it on them, mm-hmm. the second they leave the house, the second they're out of your, your, yeah. your, 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 you know, your um, authority, they go crazy. But if you kind of give them space to make mistakes in safe places, it seems like there can... So it's almost like, to go back to the question about struggle, mm-hmm. you you let them suffer natural consequences that's not going to damage them long-term. Right. right. If you want to spend your money on a really idiotic purchase at Target, I'm not going to tell you you can't. I'm not going to shame you for it. I'm going to say, hey, was that a good purchase? Oh, cool. You're happy with it? Perfect. Mm-hmm. And then they'll feel the pain like, oh, really? You know, I spent money on that on that new game and I probably should have saved it because there's another game coming out and it was a bad decision. So right. um, I think to go back, this, this idea of modeling that behavior is really, really important for, for our kids. I guess you're telling me I can't go buy an 80-inch for the office now, right? So. You, can do what you, you can do what you want, man. It's your money. Just use your money. All right. Yeah. Well, you, you actually took the words out of my mouth. Um, I, you know, I was talking or thinking about how everything we do models where our children are. Um, and Daniel, offline, we talked, um, we talked a little bit about uh, bringing, a, bringing the kids into the agency. And, and, you know, that's teaching them what an office should be like. That's that's giving them they're they're able to see what we're doing as parents, as mm-hmm. business owners, as entrepreneurs. And and I truly do believe that that's that's molding them as well, not only in the house, but also in the workplace. Um, I, I think the ledger piece, I love it. Absolutely yeah. love it. Um, how many kids actually know how to keep a ledger balance? Mm-hmm. Um I mean, we don't even know what a checkbook is anymore. So for them, it's like it's like like trying to swim without having a pool, right? I'm going to teach my kid how to swim, but there's no pool for him. Right. We want our kids to learn about money, but we never give it to them. And we have as parents, Mm -hmm. we need to find creative ways to transfer money from our ledger to their Mm -hmm. ledger. So we're like you, we have chores in the house, but we don't say, hey, there's chores. Like, hey, you, you, we live in this house and there's responsibilities that, if you live in a house, there's shared responsibilities that we all have. That's it. Like, if you dirty a dish, put it away or put it put it in the sink. If you you know you you mess up your room, make your bed. I'm not going to come make your bed for you. And then yeah. there's some other things that benefit the whole household that needs to happen. So sure. we 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 pay our kids or or we have an allowance based off of them being good members of a household. Yeah. And they got their bank accounts and they can buy what they want. 
Well, um, and and also I, I think as parents and and running a business is the same way. They're always watching you. You know, leadership, and and I love the topic of leadership. Leadership, you know, it's it's lonely at the top, right? Every time I walk into this building, I am excited, motivated, dedicated. I'm pumped up, and in fact, I go to everybody's desk every morning and I ask them if they're excited. And because I, as a leader, you can't have a bad day. As a husband, and and people think, well, Daniel, I'm not a leader. I don't own a business. I'm not. I said, wait a minute. You got the toughest job in the world. You're leading your wife. You're leading your husband. You're leading your kids. You're leading your church friends, right? Mm-hmm. Leadership is a privilege. And a lot of times we forget that. But our teams are watching. Our kids are watching. And it was it warmed my heart. Now, my wife, she is, I don't want to call her a clean freak, but you will never find dust in our house. And you will people will come into our house and say, Do you, I thought you guys had kids. There's no toys laying around. Everything is just always very neat. Right after dinner, she's cleaning up. Now, my kids have watched her for years and years and years. So my wife and I will go away on a trip and my mom will come over. She'll spend a few nights with us. And when we come back, she says, did you tell your kids to wipe the floor after dinner? We said, no. They put the shoes away, the way they've put their napkins away. They mimic my wife. They're vacuuming every day. So it was a true aha moment because whenever I get on my soapbox and I say, girls, come here, come here. And I just, I read something really great. I want to share it with them. The first thing they roll their eyes, they don't want to hear from daddy again, right? But they're listening. It doesn't mean that they're not listening. My 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 eight-year-old, he was seven years old when he did this. I walk into his room. I, I, I give him a kiss. Good morning. I, I walk out right on his door, a little notepad. It says in his own way, he put never quit, never, ever quit. (laughs) I think I've seen that on your LinkedIn. Yeah. I said, dude, where'd you do? (laughs) Where'd you get this? He said, daddy, you say that all the time. Never quit. Never, never, no matter how hard it gets, never quit. So it just warmed my heart. And I said, oh man, they're listening. It's working. Can 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 we back up real quick on this never quit idea? So before this show, we had another show. I had another show with a couples counselor. You, you may, you may have. Um, I think I might when we first met. I think I was still doing the show. It's called Building Us: Investing Your Relationships. And we got, we kind of got to the end where it was time to move on to do something else. So the last show literally is called Quitting for Winners, mm. and we talk about how to. I would say it's probably how to healthily quit. That sometimes some things come to an end. Sure. So quitting doesn't necessarily mean like blindly just doing something over and over and over again because like you just shouldn't quit. I mean there's a there's an aspect to to retreating, taking a look at everything, reevaluating the situation and changing directions. I'm stopping this because I'm doing this. But I think the idea of never quit is this idea of action. We should be action oriented. Um moving on to something else. So quitting is not necessarily bad per se. It's what are you doing in place of of stopping what you were doing? Is that kind of capture that idea when you say never quit? It does. And I, and I don't think you quit. You had a you you're you were still driven by your purpose and you were still accomplishing your goals, but just in a different way. The path was just a little bit different. But what I find out is so many people just feel as if they're not good enough. Now flunk first grade. I never really learned how to read. I didn't know the months of the year until probably the third or fourth grade. 
I dropped out of college, filed bankruptcy, lost the business, couldn't feed his kids. I mean, I am, I am, I am never the smartest person in the room, right? But what really got me through is the daily disciplines, the daily disciplines about just showing up. Fifty percent of winning is simply just showing mm-hmm. up. Amen. If I we're we're hiring a receptionist right now, and if we schedule ten interviews today, confirming for tomorrow, three people will show up. So just by showing up, you beat seventy percent of the competition out there. That's in business. That's in life. That's in finances. You don't need to make a million dollars a year to be financially independent when you retire. In fact, you can make eighty thousand a year and be financially independent. Mm-hmm. So it's all about the decisions and choices that you make. And as long as you're disciplined and consistent with the game plan, I always tell my kids, operate with the end in mind. Oh, I love it. Operate with the end in mind. If you want to be a doctor, I don't ever want to hear you complain about medical school, about studying, about traveling to this or residency, about you're operating with the end in mind, not the process. If you accept the end, you accept the process. And that's the same with finances. Exactly the same with finances. Patience is a skill and you have to learn it. Patience is a skill. All right. Speaking of the end, we're, cu- we're coming up here to, to the so end of this recording. You. Before we go there, though, I, I, I said we were going to come back to our question that we ask all of our guests. Take us there. Take us there. So, Daniel, what is one thing about money that you wish you would have known 20 years ago. Hmm. What's one thing about money I wish I would have known 20 years ago? It's not the end all. It's not the end all. And money now, before I, I viewed it as my personal identity. And and I, you know, anybody who tells anybody that money isn't important, it's probably because they don't have any. Right? Money is absolutely important because it gives you and your family options in life. Right. If I want to go, I, I would much. I for the first five years in the business, I took five days off for the first five years. I'm, I'm seven days off in five years. The entire every Sunday, the entire the entire seven days off. Period, five seven of days. them were for Christmas. Right. Wow. So back again, I operated with the end in mind. Right. So I just lost my train of thought. But money but isn't you, the end all be all. It, exactly. So yeah. oh, here we go. So. I would much rather work seven days a week for at that time for me. And on Sunday night, I want to take my wife and my kids to a nice steak dinner versus coming home at five o'clock every single night and have mac- macaroni and cheese, right? It's just the way I, that I was built. But money provides options. It determines where you live, mm-hmm. the safety of your vehicle if you get into an accident. The clothes that you wear, the friends that you have, the and the friends are important because it's a mindset, right? Who are you yep. hanging around with? So now I see money as a tool, as as a tool to help as many people as we can, and and it's it's it, my relationship with money now is a lot better than it's ever been. Um, but I do believe m- money is a measuring; it's one of the measuring tools for success. I really do. And the more, the the more revenue I can generate here at the agency, the more families I can help. My, my one of the proud moments for me this year is one of my risk managers 
an immigrant from Turkey, didn't know anybody when he moved here. His whole family's back in Turkey, got married, has two kids, has a wonderful career. He bought a house a couple months ago. Unbelievable feeling. I was there during the escrow close. We went during the inspection. I was there with him the whole the whole way. So just knowing that how many people we're 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 providing lives for, right? By 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 growing our agencies and businesses. Um, but money, I, I view it as a tool now. There's a Harvard study that says this. It said money um, does lead to happiness, but it's not. How it's not how much you have; it's how you spend it. Mm. How we spend money is tied to our level of happiness, and they find that the people who are the happiest are the ones who spend on others. Yes, that's wow. why give to others is our fifth pillar of financial security. Give to others. Mm. It used to be just kind of know where your money is, plan where you want it to go, squash debt, save for tomorrow, and then yeah, about a year into that, I'm like, you know what? Most successful people not most, almost every single successful person is giving in some way to mm-hmm. other people, monetarily, um, through mentorship, uh, through different types of support. So if you want to be financially secure, look to give to others. Daniel, I love man, that. I feel like we can go on forever. Like I, I wanted to broach the topic of, um, you know, you came to this country as an immigrant. I grew up in an immigrant household. And there's a lot of, a lot of shared values there. I wanted to go there. Um, man, but we don't have time. So I just want to thank you. And I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, thank you for your service. This will drop after Veterans Day, but thank you for your service. I think you served in the Marine Corps. Um, appreciate that, man. Appreciate you. you it's just... it's perfect timing because November 10th, tomorrow is the Marine Corps birthday. So Oh, man. Okay. So happy birthday to the Marine Corps. Um, happy Veterans Day to you and all of our listeners who, who served, man. And uh, I'm excited to, I'm excited to go back and listen to this and hear all those, uh, all those lessons. Appreciate yeah, you, man. Yeah. And, uh, and Eric and Angel, very nice to meet you, Angel. And, and thank you for all that you do. And it, it is no wonder why you guys have been so successful throughout these years. So my, it was, it was an honor to be with you. Thank, thank you, you, sir. We appreciate it. Awesome. Welcome back to Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School. I'm Xavier Angel, Certified Financial Planner, and I am joined with our special guest, Daniel Sung. Uh, Daniel is from Irvine, California. Uh, Daniel, give us a quick uh, overview of of who you are and what you do. Yeah, I'm, I'm the founder of Great Park Insurance out here in Irvine, California. And uh, you know we've, we help families protect what they so patiently and so diligently worked for. So we help a lot of business owners. We have helped families with home insurance, auto insurance, life insurance, and uh, we are locally branded. And we're just we have a great reputation in the agents or in the community. And the and the team is really out there trying to help as many families as possible. Great, I I, I love it. That that is that risk management part is a is. That's a part of my life. I've I've been on that side of the industry with the life insurance and the disability side for 22 years now. So, wow. so Daniel, one of the things that I wanted to ask you is give us an idea of what goes into purchasing um, auto insurance. What should our listeners look for, and and what determines how much they're going to pay those premiums? Yeah, well, especially right now. I mean, coming out of COVID, what we're seeing in the industry is. A lot of people are driving more post-COVID than pre-COVID, even though some people are still working from home. So what you have to really look for when you're when you're purchasing 
uh, in auto insurance, especially online, well, first of all, you have to make sure it's a reputable company. And what you want to do is you really do want to talk to an agent. You want to talk to somebody over the phone uh, where you can ask questions because a lot of people, if you're not in the industry, you are not going to take time out of your day to learn about your policy and what covers what and why you have deductibles. For example, there's liability coverage on an auto insurance policy. Well, California state minimums are 15000 30000 Now, our agency, we won't help anybody if it's not at least $100,000 to $300,000 of liability coverage. And we really focus on $250,000 slash $500,000 because we believe in, we don't want to sell policies. We want to protect families. And I have, this is kind of, um, I have to brag a little bit about our team here because the team makes me look a lot better than I really am. But Great Park Insurance is the highest rated insurance agency in the country on Yelp. When we have a wonderful reputation of always doing the right thing. But let me just talk about how liability coverage really works. So the first number, let's say it's 100,000. That 100,000 will cover you, will protect you if you cause an accident to somebody else. The 300,000, but that's per person, let's say. So yeah. let's say there's three people in the vehicle. If they have injuries of each person has 100,000, well, that's a perfect scenario because if there's three people, they get paid 100,000 each. And that's where that second number comes from, 300,000. And that's the total 300,000 per accident. So let's say one person has $200,000 of damage or medical bills. Well, per person, your policy will cover 100,000. And that's okay. where we feel that they are underinsured. And that's why we always recommend an umbrella policy to go on top of your homeowners, your auto insurance, and your rental properties. So always remember the first number of 100,000 is per person. And that second number is per accident. Wow. Thank you for that. And, and that's something that they can all take back and listen. I've got clients now that are just getting out of out of college, and those are some of the questions that they are asking. So we're definitely going to get this out to you. And you you mentioned about minimums on on what you guys are going out there and making those recommendations because you guys are not selling a policy, mm-hmm. correct? You guys are, right. are are managing that risk or that potential risk that could occur in the event of an accident. So, look, guys. Um, that you've got the TikTok. Do you want to you want to tell everyone about the TikTok so they can follow you on TikTok? I, I would love to. It's uh, you know my we started this as a family channel. My daughter a couple of years ago she bought me a Christmas book and it was a 365 jokes one one joke per day and I was just gonna read it uh, on TikTok and make and make a video. But it just it evolved. It became a lot more than what we thought it was going to be. So, but what we do is my wife and I we do it together and we talk about marriage right? All the things that we went through, all the struggles and all the happy times and how to have a really healthy marriage. We talk about raising children, all the things that we went through. And we have five kids, four girls, one boy, and I have four teenagers right now. So we're in the thick of things. That's really Mm -hmm. fun. And I also do this thing called the perfect bite. I get this massive bowl of rice and I take a big bite out of it and a big onion as well. So it's silly, it's it's actually really encouraging. One of the best things about our TikTok that I never thought would happen is we get messages every single day from people all across the country. One gentleman this morning said, Daniel, my dad was really abusive. I never wanted to get married. I hate my dad. But after seeing you and your kids, 
you really want to make me have a family. So it's all those, it's all those people that we're helping. Cause I always said this, there's going to be that one person that says that one thing at that one moment in your life that would change yours and your family's trajectory for the rest of your right. life. And you're going to change generations and you're going to leave a great legacy. So I appreciate yeah. everybody that, that follows us and it's sung life. Sung life. And that's S E O N G sung. That's right. And so, well, Daniel, I, I appreciate you taking the time with us today, guys, if you like what you're hearing, please follow us um, anywhere that you get your podcast. Um, also, we have everything. Our library is online, www.plan-wisely.com. Look forward to hearing from you guys. Have a great day. Information presented and discussed on the Stuff About Money podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute direct financial advice. Consult with a qualified financial advisor prior to implementing any strategies discussed. Eric Garcia and Xavier Angel's branch office is located in New Orleans, Louisiana. The branch phone number is 504-218-5479. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor not affiliated with the Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated.